Hello. Now, I think you're really going to love this episode as I'm chatting with Liz Haywood, who is an interior designer, and she's going to help you understand how to create your interior design look and feel. I see homeowners struggle a little bit putting together all the ideas, inspiration, colours and textures and bringing it together as a holistic vision. It can feel quite challenging, but Liz has got some great ideas to help you feel more confident about it. And we're going to be talking about mood boards and palettes and really getting clarity for the way that you want your home's interiors to be pulled together as that complete vision. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before we dive into the interview, if you're listening because you want to get it right in your home's interior design, well, let me take a moment to tell you about the online program, Interior Design 101. If you're like most homeowners I know, dreaming, planning and choosing the interior design, finishes and items in your home, it's one of the fantastic and exciting highlights of any renovation or new build project. And yet, it can also be a minefield of options, confusion and overwhelm. Would you like to simplify those choices and have total clarity and confidence that your interior design will help you create your beautiful, functional, feel-good home? Well, that's exactly why Interior Design 101 was created. Interior Design 101 is a self-study DIY program. It contains the full version of all the interviews that are included in the podcast season. I couldn't put all of the questions into the podcast, so we've got the full interviews in both audio and video format, plus extra content that's been specifically created for Interior Design 101. There's full transcripts of all of our interviews. There's also extra checklists, guides, design layouts, and so much good stuff to support you in the interior design of your renovation new home or smaller project. This program has been designed to help you gain clarity and confidence in all those selections and decisions that you need to make for the finishes, fixtures, colours, materials and items that you'll be living with every day. So if you'd like to learn more about Interior Design 101, then head to www.interiordesign101.com.au and that's the numbers, the numerals 101. So Interior Design 101.com.au and I'll pop that link in the show notes as well. Now let's kick off our episode and let me introduce you to Liz Hayward, interior designer and founder of Hayward & Co. Liz is a firm believer that a quality, thoughtful, tailored interior should be available to everyone and that amazing results can be achieved on almost any budget. Following her years spent in professional roles working in and around the interior design sphere, the establishment of a bespoke interior design agency represents a new and exciting phase in Liz's creative journey. Based on her instinctive ability to see the possibilities of any space that she enters, Liz has developed a design process that is as calm and considered as the interiors that she ultimately creates. 
combining the many snippets of inspiration that she collects from the decors she encounters each day with the tastes and input of her clients Liz designs timeless interiors that reflect the unique personas of the people that inhabit them and uh, we talked a lot about the kinds of places that inspire both of us I'm a big fan of libraries library I love a library and uh, Liz was talking about her love of hotels so it is amazing how interior design inspiration can actually come from so many different places because so much so often it's actually about you accessing how you feel in spaces and if you feel amazing when you walk into a library or into a luxury hotel or into a particular cafe or into an art gallery you know there are cues and things and ideas and concepts that you can bring from those spaces into your home to imbue the same kind of feeling to bring the same kind of feeling to your home environment as well. And uh, it's really exciting to think about it in that way. Now, Liz's work and skill of creating beautiful spaces was actually recently recognised when she was awarded a top finalist position in the Home Beautiful 50 Most Beautiful Rooms competition. Haywood & Co is based in Sydney and it offers a range of interior design and decorating services from full collaborations for the duration of your project through to one-off consultations. And they also provide uh, great e-decorating services where you can work with them online to get assistance quickly and affordably. And Liz has recently launched a new on-tap interior design online service as well. So there are loads of ways that you can get her help with your interior design and be able to work directly with her wherever you're located. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. So let's listen now. Well, Liz, it's fantastic to have you here. I'm really excited to be speaking with you and understanding more, particularly around when it comes to ideas about design direction and palettes and mood boards for interior design. This is something that a lot of the UI community are really interested in. I know homeowners generally grapple with in terms of just that special source of pulling together the right combination of materials and colours and fixtures and finishes to get the look that they want and the feel that they want. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and why you started your, you know, what made you start your own interiors business? Yes, yes, of course. Well, firstly, thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, a bit about myself. So um, I am an interior decorator, business owner. I have my own interior decoration studio called Haywood & Co. And I've had that for coming up to about three years now, actually. Um, I started it Basically, at the very beginning, I have a huge passion for interiors. I always have. Even sort of growing up, I was um, I was that little girl that <laughs> that spent her weekends redecorating and rearranging her room and poring over, you know, the IKEA catalogs and whatnot. So I've always very much had a passion and interest in it. And um, I was working in and around sort of the interior design field um, just before I launched my own um, business. I was actually a furniture buyer, so that gives me a whole other element of design and knowledge and insight as to how the pieces are made, the materials used. I'd actually travel around the world and um, go to all the manufacturers of the furniture. So I got a really great insight into the pieces and I have that sort of extra layer of knowledge of what fabrics and, and selections and materials you should be using in different areas and for different stages of your life. Um, and then there was a different stage of my life and I decided it was the time to launch into my own um business and so yeah I started Haywood and Co and um, as they say you know when you do what you love you don't work a day in your life so it sort of feels like that since and I absolutely adore what I do. 
That's fantastic. And what an amazing background that would just be of such value to the clients that you're working with. Just That's just brilliant. So, And quite a different, you know, a lot of the interior designers that I speak to have very different types of career experience, whereas I can imagine that that would be hugely valuable in terms of when you are wanting to, you know, really understand is this going to be something that's long lasting and durable and work for me in that regard for you to understand how those elements are all put together is really brilliant. So in the uh, in the industry, we talk a lot, a lot about design direction, and it's it's a bit of terminology that probably isn't used very commonly by homeowners when they're thinking about. They're not really asking themselves, okay, what's my design direction? They're probably using different language. How how do you define it when you're talking to you know homeowners and thinking about their interiors? How do you how do you sort of describe that design direction idea to them as a concept? Yes, yeah, so I guess. Um... Upon meeting a client, and, and often it's either via in-person or perhaps via Skype, whatever the situation may be, I try and start, um, I guess, peeling away the layers. So if I just said to them, what's your design direction? I'd probably hear crickets most of the time. Um, or they might just throw out some, you know, some words that they've heard and terminology that they've happened to have heard. But rather I like to sort of go in and start asking them questions that might reveal that answer as such. So I always start with who lives in the home, you know, kids, pets, multi-generational families, whatever it may be, and then also how they use their home. And that's really the very, very much the starting point. And then from there, I'll start asking about, you know, what in, what colours they may be drawn to and, and that may be in artwork or even their fashion choices or whatnot. I, if I just sort of blatantly ask to them, what colour do you want your house to be or what direction do you want to be? I never find the answers that we're exactly looking for. So I like to sort of look a bit more holistically and then start narrowing it down for them. And by the end of the conversation, we actually have revealed a design direction, um, but it's about asking the questions in a different way and peeling sort of that, those answers out as such. Yeah, that's actually a really fantastic thing. And I love that you start from that functional point of view as well, because ultimately your house needs to perform and work for you. And so getting that picture of how the home is going to be used is something I talk a lot to the UA community about really, yeah, really thinking about that in terms of how your home needs to serve you so that you can have the lifestyle that you want in it. So that's basically my design philosophy, if you want to say, is that a house is made to be lived in. It's, I don't create interiors that just look beautiful on a magazine or whatever it may be. It's, it's going to be someone's home. And that's what's the most important part. Now, I know that homeowners like to do some homework before they meet with designers and really think about how they're going to communicate their ideas and desires to them. How do you suggest homeowners go about thinking about this idea of design direction or preparing themselves, I suppose, to have that conversation so that it's actually something that's going to be strong enough to carry them through? They get a good sense of, yep, this is actually what I feel is us and represents us and how we want to live. Mm -hmm. So definitely um, the process starts long before or generally long before I even meet with a client. Um, You know, people could be thinking about a renovation or a design project for for months, if not years before. So I'd say at that time, just start collecting anything and everything that you see and that you're drawn to. So obviously um, most people are on Instagram these days and some people don't even know, but there's a little save button on those images, save, save, save. So, and that ends up actually creating a nice little, um, mood board a concept board um in a very very easy way and it just you can start going through it then and you can usually generally see a repetition of what you're drawn to um so i definitely say any visual references that you can grab whether it's you know pinterest or social media or magazines or anything in between just grab those references and start building your own sort of little image library as such 
And then once you engage a decorator, if that's the path you're going down or, or even just your builder or anything along those lines, you've got some visual references. Um, so often that people are, are using terminology that or words that everyone interprets differently. And so that's why a visual reference is so important because everyone can see it. Everyone can exactly is on the same page right from looking at that. Yeah, that's a great idea. And I love the Instagram one because I think that our Pinterest boards and our house idea books can get kind of quite um, unwieldy. They're always obviously in a different kind of online forum, whereas everybody's on Instagram. And so I actually, I have different collections based on different ideas. So you can obviously save to a collection. So you can then have, you know, master bedroom, you know, bathrooms, kitchen and collect all of those ideas together in the, in those at least groupings to be able to communicate. And you're so right. We talk a lot in Undercover Architect about when you use style names that that can be something that you as a homeowner might understand from you might look at a picture and and it's been described in a magazine as Hamptons or Scandi or something like that. But when you take that to a designer who has a more thorough understanding of the history of that kind of design idea and you use that language to communicate it, then you might conjure up different ideas in their head. And if you're only ever communicating these things verbally, it can be super confusing. So the visual idea is much better. Yes, I've had that situation and what happens is it just extends the process and you go back and forth, back and forth and and ends up in a little bit of frustration really because they're expecting one thing, you're giving another thing, but you're just on different pages, but both trying to get there. So that's why visual visual images are, are really the best starting point. Definitely. And all those styles have been localised for wherever people are thinking about them. I mean, traditional Hamptons is not anything like the Hamptons that we talk about in Australia. <laughs> it's Australian, there's 2019 Australian Hamptons, which is very different <laughs> to what the actual Hamptons is. <laughs> so much so. So that's fantastic. Now, you talked briefly about mood boards, concept boards. Mood boards is something that I hear a lot of homeowners talk about. It's something that's pretty hot in the industry, a lot of, uh, you know, TV and um, I suppose internet renovators and home builders will talk about, you know, pull your mood board together. They'll even have courses on how to pull your mood board together. How, and so I think it's really something that's accessible for homeowners to think about. But how does this, like, what is it and how does it differ from, say, what we in the industry would know as a pallet board or a material sample board? Mm, so I guess it's, um, it's it's probably towards the beginning of the um, the project and really sort of start setting the tone for it. So um, just as a quick reference, you know, a pallet board or a materials board is, I'd say, something when you're locking in the finer details of it and it's comparing the materials and finishes you're using, whereas a mood board is probably a step back from that. And that is, and I think they are, they're very much a vital um, element to any project because it also keeps you on track. So, so often, you know, a client will say, I love that cushion or that piece of artwork and they may love it in its own right. But when we look and refer back to our mood board, it's actually not going to fit in with the bigger picture. So it's about creating that sort of holistic style so that you can ensure that the room is cohesive or the space is cohesive and um, really start setting the tone for the project, whether it be colours or even just the look and feel of how you how you want to feel in the room, whether it's, you know, sort of a relaxed style or a more of a glamorous, elegant style, you can really start conveying that within your mood board. And um, as I said, it just keeps you on track a little bit as a good reference point to, to keep referring to throughout the project. Have you seen homeowners come to you with these mood boards and they might have one per room or they sort of have a general one for the house? How have you seen homeowners use them for their projects? Yes, look, I mean, generally they're not sort of in a formal um, 
formal format as such when um, we meet, but they've definitely already started building it in a casual way. And whether that is just, as you say, um, on Instagram and saving them into different rooms and collecting those images into different um, sections as such, that, um, that's sort of the beginning of the, the mood board. And what I usually do is then take those images and start sort of just building in a more co- cohesive way and um, really tightening up that, that mood board and then presenting it back to them. And that's when we can agree, yep, this is the direction we want to go down and we can start padding out the, um, the rest of the project from there. And so in terms of thinking about that mood board and then how might that might feed into design direction and I suppose the things that they're being aesthetically drawn to that they find attractive or I find even to sort of look at images of things that they definitely don't like can also be handy as a briefing tool. How does that sit alongside sort of then eliciting their design direction from them? How do you see those two things working in partnership with each other as you sort of talk with homeowners? It's sort of, um, I mean, I guess it's a bit of a a chain of events as such, but not quite in a straight line (laughs) as to describe it. So as I said, I start with the beginning of um, the bigger picture design direction, how they use the home and, and how they want the home to serve them. And then we sort of start looking at the aesthetics of it and what their ideal um, style and design direction would be as such. And then we sort of go back again to the um, the use of the home. Okay, so they may love everything being white and, you know, they want that sort of Scandi, fresh, um, minimalist style white, but they've got three kids and two dogs. So we have to, you know, we have to sort of go back to the, the use of the house and see, okay, how can we merge this all together to create the look and feel they want, but also create a home that can be lived in as well. So that's why I say you sort of, you have the two and they, and you piece them together back and forth, back and forth until you almost come out at the, at the end, which is actually the beginning of the project um, to say, right, this is our design direction. This is how we want it to look and feel, but this is how we're going to do it. So it serves our, our house and our home the best for us and our family. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? That process, I think, when you're working with a designer can feel quite, I don't know, I see some homeowners sort of just want to get going, but it's very getting that established so that everybody's on the same page is so essential for you then being able to move forward smoothly, it's, it's, isn't it? Oh, it's so essential. It's um, And actually, it's so funny you say that. So many clients just say, can we just start ordering something? And, you know, the first few weeks or even months is just critical in laying down those foundations and taking your time to set it up the project right so that when you do come to ordering the pieces and selecting those final pieces, they are right. There's no back and forth then. Um, So, yeah, so often clients just think, we're not getting started. And then all of a sudden we've ordered everything within a couple of weeks and it's all in their house and <laughs> it comes together quite quickly in the end. But it is, it's very important to lay those foundations and get them right and before you, you go any further down the track. And I think as a professional, you're really using that as a testing phase to make sure that you've understood the client's wishes and desires really clearly, aren't you? Because you're basically... You know, before you, you know, a lot of the times homeowners will use a designer because they don't want to be the person standing in a tile room or in a furniture showroom looking at the hundreds of options available. They just want to have the top three brought to them and choose from that. Exactly. And so for a design professional to do that for you, there has to be sort of that iterative process at the beginning where they're going, okay, have I understood you? Have I understood you? Have I understood you? Have I understood you? And really, I find that a lot of that process is reading between the lines of a, of a client and 
just checking what their deal breakers are or are they really meaning what they're saying they mean, you know, and <laughs> it's amazing. So. Yes, it can be um, without doing that process or, you know, not quite getting to the point where it needs to be, you can have some very costly mistakes very quickly. So it is, it's, um, it's such an imperative part of the process and one I definitely would never skip or, or rush through by any means. In terms of ideas and concepts and I suppose rules for want of a better name uh, of combining kind of materials, textures and colours, do you have any suggestions for things that homeowners should pay attention to or steer away from, you know, sort of ideas about... I suppose everybody's always sort of looking for a formula or, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I know that it's not always that straightforward, but it's a case of, I suppose, is there anything that you say is quite simple to give a homeowner a tip of like, don't do this, do this, think about this together, those kinds of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, look, there's not, there is rules, but there's no rules and rules are made to be broken at the same time as well. But I guess um, there are lots of little bits of guidance that um, can really help homeowners bring um, a room together quite easily. And I guess the starting point is, and I may mention it before, is making the house um, user-friendly for whoever lives in there. So as I said, if you really love a white sofa but have three teenage boys and and four dogs or whatever it may be, your house is going to look pretty trashed pretty quickly. Um, so that's not the best decision. So actually just starting with the materials that are going to work for you will create the longevity and also the, um, beautiful aesthetic of the home as well. So, um, you know, on a practical level, things like, um, sunlighting to a room, you know, having direct sun, midday sunlight onto a leather sofa is probably the worst thing you could do to a leather sofa. Um, so making sure you've got the window covering treatments, um, that are right for timbers the same as well. You don't want the the sun shining directly on the timber, it will fade and crack and whatnot. So keeping sort of um, the practical things in mind, um, you know, washable slip covers on a sofa are a great way to sort of keep the um, the house looking beautiful down the track as well. I think another thing that's really important is getting your proportions right. Um, having a huge open plan lounge room, living room, dining room um, with a tiny little sofa shoved in the corner can really make a home and feel quite awkward actually. So looking at the space, going almost as big as you can in terms of the um, the sofa and the rug and um, making sure all the proportions work well. Um, I just touched on rugs. That's another important thing, having the rug to be able to anchor the room as well. So not a teeny tiny little rug sitting in the middle of the um, of the room under the coffee table, but actually having it under the sofa and, and under the armchairs can really create that space. So there are sort of, um, I guess, lots of little rules as such, but in terms of the overarching rules and, and guide, I would say um, go practical first and make it um, in the most beautiful way it can be because that's how you're going to get the um, the room looking beautiful as long as it can. Yeah, and it's, it is, I think it is that thing. There's these little tricks and tips, isn't there, that just sort of happen as part of that overall process that I know that experience and training kind of gives you when you see things that work or don't work on a, on a, um, on a kind of grand scale. And I think that one of the things, you know, that, that idea about the rug when we have all these great big open plans rooms that you know might have kitchen dining living study area all in the one space to use rugs to kind of create these zones within the space and and also the furniture layout to create these zones and the lighting layout to create these zones can make such a significant difference to this kind of great big amphitheater of a room feeling intimate at a scale that you're going to use those spaces as zones 
Exactly. And um, yeah, I mean, look, there is, there's so many other tips and tricks I could sort of <laughs> pour onto you, but it's almost another couple of hours. But um, you know, just and keeping your colours consistent as well. Um, you know, so whether it's picking up the the colours in the artwork with some of the cushions on the sofa, it's um, it, that sort of um, those elements create that cohesive space. Um, having your area that your eye can rest upon, so not having every surface covered in absolutely everything, that's really important to make a space feel quite calm as well. Um, so yeah, lots of tips and tricks and. Um, I actually do send a, um, a monthly EDM out and, and each of those is included a, um, a little how-to guide. So whether it's the cushions or the rug or the how to choose the right dining table, um, there's too many to touch on right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll definitely make sure we put a link in the resources so that people can sign up for that and get your regular tips. So <laughs> Now, lastly, Liz, did you have any last tips or um, suggestions for homeowners that are really wanting to get it right in their interior design direction, thinking about their palette, their mood boards, and just getting, getting a really good understanding, I suppose, of the look and feel that they want to achieve for their interiors? Yes, look, I'd say um, number one rule is don't rush it. Um, so often, you know, people just want their home to be done. Um, it's, it is a long process, <laughs> unfortunately. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Um, but don't just go and commit to a piece because it's on sale today or it can be delivered to you tomorrow. You know, you're, you're going to have that piece in your home for many, many years to come. So you don't want it to be a rushed decision. Rushed decision. You want it to be um, the perfect piece for you. Um, and also always think about the bigger picture as well. Um, you, you might fall in love with a particular artwork or a particular cushion that you see the market on a Saturday. And um, that's not to say they don't have a place in your home, but just sort of grabbing things because you love them can, um, can draw you away from your mood board or your concept board. So do keep that on hand, revert back to it and um, think about the big picture and how it's all going to come together and try and imagine the space and how that piece would fit into it. Um, and so that's how you end up having a really beautiful cohesive space that works well together that, um, that makes you feel calm and rested when you come home to it. That's fantastic advice. Thank you, Liz, so much for your time. You've just given some great tips for homeowners to really understand this. And, you know, I can see everybody now going away with specific homework about how they're going <laughs> to do this and get some ideas together um, before they might speak to a designer and, uh, you know, or their builder or their architect. So really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. I hope that you found that super helpful and you've got some great ideas now about how to think about your palette for your interior design, how to go about creating mood boards and how those mood boards might change at different stages of your project and how ultimately you can get clarity around that holistic vision, around that full picture of how your interiors are all going to come together in your home so that everything works cohesively and creates the kind of feeling that you want and also is super functional as well that really supports you having a fantastic lifestyle in your home. Now if you head to the show notes you can grab links and resources that we've mentioned here in the episode and there's also some uh, links to the information that Liz was mentioning that's on her website as well. Now there in the resources you'll also find the link to Interior Design 101 which is the self-study online program that will help you gain clarity and confidence for the interior design of your future home. Inside Interior Design 101, Liz and I actually talk in more detail. We've got more content in there about creating your interior design palette 
and about choosing finishes and fixtures that are truly going to suit you, your lifestyle, and help you feel confident about the home environment that you're creating. So if you check out Interior Design 101, the full interview with Liz is available in there now, both as a video and an audio version. And that's the same for this whole podcast season. Now, in the next episode, Francis Cosway of White Pebble Interiors and I, we're talking about lighting. So electrical lighting is something that I can see homeowners leave quite late in their process. It might be when they're just pulling together their quotes from their builders, doing their final drawings, or even as late as walking around on site with the electrician just before they're about to do the rough-in and confirming the numbers of lights, the types of lights, the positions of lights and where light switching might be. However, this is an aspect of your interior design that can have a huge impact on the feel and function of your home. So it's really essential that you actually bring it up front in your design process, that you think about it earlier in your design process so that you can maximise the full potential of what's available to you, not only for how you can create a particular feel and functionality in your home, but also how you're best spending your budget as well and making sure that you're getting the, the best impact for that. So we're going to be talking more in our next episode about how to do just that. Now, as always, huge gratitude to you. Thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.